Uh, you're so welcome to church today. It's lovely to see a new, few new faces as well. Um, my name is Carolyn, for people who don't know me. And today we are looking at the topic of joy. So I just first of all want to say there's notes that have been handed out. Uh, this is really so gives you kind of a map of where I'm going. It doesn't give you all the details, but so it makes sense in my head, it'll make sense in yours too. Um, so that there's not really one central point, but probably just to keep you on par with what I'm saying and really the journey we're going through with it today. Um, one of the books that I read really when um, I was asked to speak on joy was this one here, so I won't, I'll forget later. This is by Kay Warren. Does anybody know Kay Warren? A few people probably do, yeah. Um, so her book is called Choose Joy. I actually bought this, it was handy, because then I could use it, from my mother-in-law at Christmas, and then I realised after, I thought, I really hope she doesn't think I'm saying someone needs a bit more of this in their life. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> Just, uh, so no, this book's brilliant. Um, so choose joy because happiness isn't enough. So there'll be a few wee bits that I'm saying um, today that are from this book, but it is a really good book if there's something, if you want to read a bit more on it. Um, so... Sermon notes. And then I'm probably, people who know me, I'm quite a structured person. So whenever I'm given a topic, I'm like, right, I need to get a book. I need to read about it. Um, I need to get time, get send Isaac off to the time winners, get a few days where I can look at it. Um, and so you know when Paul got up a few weeks ago and said, I'm going to just scrap what I'm saying because God told me to go this way. I'm like, God, you're not doing that to me. <laughs> uh, and I was like, if you want to do that with me, you need to give me at least 48 hours notice. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not joking, and he knows it. Um, so it was on Friday night, I was like, I had all this written, written last week, um, and then on Friday night, just felt God, I was actually in the bath, just uh, put on music, and was like, right, I'm just gonna be still, and if there's other stuff that you want me to say, but I'm kind of hoping there's not, um, just feed it into my God, and there was, so. <laughs> that was fun. It's actually lucky I got a bath when I'm married to a bathaholic, so. <laughs> That is true though, and you know it. So yeah, so there is stuff. So yeah. <laughs> that was a good one for you, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, as much as there is a map of kind of where we're going today, there's stuff that I've added in, um, particularly on the character of Joseph, which will be nowhere in your notes, but sure you'll be grand. And just get a pen and write them in. Um, so everybody in here, whenever I came to this topic of joy, I know that everybody in here is on a totally different journey. There, we talk about highs, we talk about lows, like almost like a roller coaster, hills and valleys. Um, you could be at a point in your life where things are great. Um, you could be at a point in your life where actually things are pretty rubbish. Um, and Kayron talks about a train track as well, that actually sometimes it's not this high and low, but actually um, joy goes on one side and sorrow goes on, so they actually run together. So it's learning how to go through life when actually they're both there um, and maintaining joy in that. And actually it might be that you're here today and you think, um, I am just going through the cycles of life. I, things are good. There's nothing particularly wrong, but joy just feels something that's a bit distant. And you can almost feel guilty that I don't have reason not to have joy, but I know I don't have it. Um, and so today I just want, no matter where you're at in that journey, that actually this um, is for everybody in this room today, that joy is a gift that is promised to everybody in this room today. And I am very aware that I am, I'm only 31, and I, come on, I know, um, and I am up here, and I haven't had the same experiences that lots of people in this room have had. Um, I've had, yes, we've had our own trials and those sort of things, but I know there are people in this room who have been through some of the most horrendous circumstances that I cannot comprehend. Um, but I'm asking that you trust 
that I have read about this, that I have looked at biblical truth in this, um, and that you listen to what I'm saying, um, and that I t don't take it lightly that what people, that joy, when we talk about that and, and talk about joy and suffering, that for people, that is a real struggle. Um, and I don't take that lightly in standing up here today, but just that you would trust um, that I biblically have looked into this um, and that these are biblical truths today as well. And so I suppose where to start is what is joy? And actually, Kay Warren's definition is one of the best um, that I have heard. And it's not about, sometimes you can think it's this bubbly, happy person, but actually it's not about happiness because happiness is fleeting. It comes and it goes and it can change depending on our circumstances. Um, it's only temporary. But she describes it as the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in all things. So she kind of says, everything around me might not be okay, but I'll be okay. Um, and it's, it's, the main thing that I got from her book was that joy is a choice. Um, that actually you're, you're as joyful as you choose to be. Um, which is quite hard hitting that you're as close to God as you choose to be. Um, and that you have to make a conscious choice to fight for joy because it, it won't just come naturally unless we fight for it and we make a decision that we want that in our lives. Um, and if you make a choice, if you decide not to have joy, what's the alternative? The choice is either this one thing or the other. So if you're saying, I don't want joy, then what are you choosing? Are you choosing to actually live um, in circumstances that are miserable, that are causing you unhappiness. And that's what I want to challenge you today. What are, what are you choosing? Because if you're not choosing joy, you're choosing something else that isn't good for you. And I was really struck that actually in the Bible, in the NIV Bible, there are 545 references to joy and merriment and rejoicing. And there's actually only 158 to like sorrow and suffering, which surprised me and it shouldn't. But actually that there's more in the Bible about the joy of the Lord and, and happiness and contentment than there is about sorrow. That actually we serve a God who wants to see joy in our lives. We don't serve a God who sees us and says, what test can I throw at them next? That I, we don't say, serve a God who says, I want them in pain. Because sometimes we can think that. Sometimes as Christians we can say... Oh, what's our try? It's almost like the better your testimony, the more trials you've been through. We can glorify that sometimes, not intentionally. And let me, I'm standing here 100% believing that trials um, purify us and glorify, and we can use our trials to glorify God. But we have to remember that God is a God who loves his children, that God is a God who wants joy for his children, who wants his children to enjoy life. He is a God whose original intention in Eden was perfection was good um, and that was taken away by decisions we made and so I'm going to challenge what is what is your perception of God do you think that God is somebody who wants pain in your life because he's not there's more references there's three times more references about joy in the Bible than there is sorrow and that's what we need to remember so what is your view of God first Timothy six seventeen says their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment for our enjoyment. He wants us to enjoy life. And Isaiah 63, 9 says, in all their distress, he too was distressed. God is not someone who is distant. He looks at what we're going through and he feels it. He is a father who looks at his child and sees the pain that is in their life and he feels it with them. Your view of God will dictate how you live. It will dictate your faith. 
that will dictate your perspective, your purpose, your actions. How you see your Father in heaven is going to dictate how you live your life for him. And so before we go even into joy, I want to challenge, do you actually believe that God is a God of joy, that God wants you to have joy in your life, that he wants you to enjoy your life? And it's only right when we speak of joy that we first look to Jesus, who is our ultimate mentor and guide and who experienced both joy and experienced sorrow as well. And people just love to be around him. So he must have been a man of joy because he talked, people wanted him in their house. They brought him for dinner. Like his parables, he talked about feasts. He was at weddings. He was somebody who people loved to be around. Um, and it's, he's just a perfect example as well for us of joy and suffering. He came to earth vulnerable as a baby. He came to earth as somebody who could be rejected. And one thing that I, has really stuck out to me is that Jesus triumphed, so like Christmas when he was born and when his resurrection, his greatest triumph, was it was confined to certain people. So at Christmas, there were certain people who saw him, one of the greatest miracles in history. His resurrection, chosen people were for that, and yet his most vulnerable moment was public for all. His, the, when he was crucified, that was open for all to see. His celebrations were for a select few, but he chose as God to show his most vulnerable moments in public, to show that actually it is okay to cry out to God and say, where are you? Because you feel distant. He showed that it was okay to have anxiety when things aren't going your way. And he showed that sometimes God can feel distant when we are in the middle of our suffering. And when he was in Gethsemane, his response, even in that, was not my will, but yours. It was a total reversal of what had happened in Eden at the beginning in Genesis, where we said, I don't want your will, mine. Whereas Jesus is saying, not my will, yours. And that to me is what our attitude, it just epitomizes what our attitude should be in that suffering, not my will, God, but yours. He didn't enjoy it. He was anxious incredibly anxious, but he let his most vulnerable moment be shown to show that he is a God of love, to show that he is a God who feels pain. And actually Gethsemane means oil press, so olives have to be crushed to make that olive oil. So Jesus had to go through that pain um, to bring us hope and to bring us salvation. How do we even begin to become like him? You can look at that and think, not in a million years, I'm going through stuff and not in a million years am I saying, not my will but yours when I am in the middle of this pain. But the first thing we have to do is actually just honestly look at our lives and say, and do almost a check, where am I getting my joy from? Uh, Jeremiah 2.13 says, for my people have done two evil things. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. So it's like whenever there's a waterfall there that has perfect living water, it's like standing beside it and digging your own and actually trying to find other ways that you can find that fulfillment and you won't. They're cracked. Those ways could be people. It could be that we try to find joy in our spouse, in our partner, and that we try to find them in our kids, in a close friend. It could be people like in, in work, those sort of things. And they're all brilliant. They're all brilliant things, really important things to, to prioritize and treat well, but they're not going to fulfill. They're still going to, people are people. People make mistakes. There's still going to be cracks. 
It could be possessions. It could be that we have a nice house. Uh, it could be that we have the best car. It could be that we want more and more money. Um, that actually we get that prestige and that joy from having um, the best things. It could be success. It could be that we want the next step in our career. Again, a really good thing, but if it consumes us and if it takes over, then it becomes more important than God. It could be busyness. It could be that we get purpose from how packed a schedule we have, and Christians are the worst for busyness. The worst. Like, I've grown up with um, in ministry, and they are shocking. See, pastors and ministers for saying, well, I've got this, 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 this. And it's all, that cannot be where we get our purpose from, that the more we're doing, the more we're acting, the busier we are, that that's where we get our purpose and our joy, because it, it won't fulfill it. It'll actually just burn us out. Um, could be church. It could be that we get so consumed in serving and being part of church and attending that we actually forget who we're serving. Um, so we need to watch that. We need to watch that actually at all times it's God um, and we don't get roped into, I want this role in church. I want to do what they're doing, but actually what has God called me to do? These things can be really healthy, um, but and they are given by God for us to enjoy as well. Like our family, our friends, our jobs, they're given by God for us to enjoy. But we have to make sure that we don't take them to the next level where they become a God to us. And the character really that actually, who came into my head um, when I was praying on Friday was Joseph. So he's nowhere in your notes, but sure. Um, and actually he's quite a lot in mine. Like you should see this. There's writing everywhere. Because... Uh, yeah, it was already written. Um, so Joseph was somebody who really stood out to me for joy. And usually the ones who come to your head are like Job and things like that. And he did great too, like don't get me wrong. Um, but Joseph really stood out to me because he was, to me, joy is that steadfastness, that remaining in Christ, no matter what comes our way. And Joseph did. And when we talk about things that can take the place of God, like he had his coats stripped from him. So he had a technical coat that was put on him by his father that showed his significance in Christ, that showed, I am a beloved son, I am first in this family. That was stripped off him. So he couldn't then find joy in his family or in his position in his family or find success in that. That was taken from him. Then when he was taken from there to Egypt and he was in Potiphar's house, and then Potiphar's, and wherever he went, there was success. God blessed that house. But then the coat, Potiphar's wife came on to him and stripped his coat off him. And so there, Joseph's reputation is stripped from him. Who he is as a person is stripped from him um, until he is in prison and he's nothing left. And it's actually, we'll talk a bit more of Joseph's story, but it's interesting that when you move on in Genesis to Genesis 41, that Pharaoh puts on him fine linen clothing because he can carry it now. Because the things that he would have given him success, that would have given him confidence have been stripped from him, but now he is able to carry the mantle of being God's representative for Pharaoh. So something, God has now placed something on him that he can carry. So how then do we achieve this joy? And the first, I've kind of broken it into three sections, and the first one is joy in Christ. Um, the verse that sticks out really for joy is, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Um, and that verse is to do with the vine and the branches. 
I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The only way to have real joy is to remain in Christ, where he says, remain in me and I will remain in you. Will there be pruning involved? Absolutely. Um, But it is for us to be our best. That line really sticks out to me. You're as close to God as you choose to be. Okay. That's a bit scary sometimes because it's easy to look and say, God, why aren't you speaking to me in this way? And it's, God's there, but are we listening? Are we remaining in him? Are we like the vine and the branches? Are we getting our true joy from him? And you can be like, well, God, why don't you speak to me in this booming voice? Why don't, like the God of the Bible, why don't you speak to me in that way? And actually with Joseph, what I find really interesting is there's no booming voice with Joseph. So it's not like Abraham and Moses where you see very clearly what God says. Joseph you don't really hear from God. You actually, Joseph, Joseph just trusts God and God has given them, him the gift of dream interpretation. Um, and there are people in this room who God speaks to with prophecy. That's what Joseph's gift was, dream interpretation. And we can sometimes limit and minimize the way God speaks, but God didn't use a booming voice with Joseph. But Joseph's mouthpiece was his integrity, was his character, that's what spoke. God didn't need to use this booming voice because he spoke through who Joseph was. And actually, Pharaoh gives him the name, um, no, Zaphonath Paneh, uh, which means God speaks, he lives. So it means God speaks, he lives. So don't ever feel that because God speaks to you in a certain way, it is less. Because actually, the way God spoke through Joseph was just through who he was, was through his integrity, that no matter what trial came his way, he remained constant. He had to be pruned. He had to go through the process of that, but he remained in Christ. I want you to watch, um, there's a video here. If you've seen it, some of you might have seen it before, um, some of you might not, but I want you to watch it. Oh, you forgot it? Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking. I should have waited a bit longer to dig that in a bit. Do you feel really guilty now? You can, will you be able to get it? Do you have Wi Fi? Okay. I'll come back to that. Go and remind me that when, see when it's up. Aye. Be fine. Go and remind me. Um, I'll go to the next point and I'll come back. <laughs> sure. Such life. Um, so, one of the ways then. So we're going to talk about is, and this is the one that actually really sticks out to me, is joy in yourself. So we can talk about joy and we can talk about joy in God and joy in trials, but what about actually having joy in yourself? Joseph firmly believed in his calling from a young age. He knew, like he was interpreting dreams with his brothers from when he was really young. His calling never changed. His character did. He grew into what God had called him into. Um, and you can, he had to be ready he, to get to that point with Pharaoh to carry what God had placed on him. But he knew and he stood in his calling for Christ. When you look at chapter 37, when he interprets dreams, it's all about me, me, me. You will bow down to me. He tells two dreams there. There's no mention of God. So no wonder the brothers reacted. When you move on and then you go to chapter 40, he says interpreting dreams is God's business. God is starting to come into his language. His language is changing because his heart's changing. 
And then you come on to chapter 41, verse 16, and he says, interpreting dreams is beyond my power, but God can tell you. So you see a change in his language, and you get to chapter 45, when he speaks to his brothers, and he said, God basically did all this. Made, God made me the advisor here. So God planned all these things. Um, what man meant for harm, God used for good. And you just see a change in Joseph's character. And it's then when he sees that actually God has given me this gift to use for him. He is ready when his character is ready, when he is ready to carry. And and that increases, that carrying increases with a test at each stage. So when he starts off and he is thrown in that pit, that's a test. How are you going to react when you are stripped from your family? And then he goes to Potiphar's house and he's trusted in Potiphar's house and everything is blessed because he is there, okay? And then Potiphar's wife, that whole episode then, he's stripped from that and put in prison. How are you going to react then? And then it's increased again. His calling has increased. There's more put on him. So the prison guard puts him in charge of everything there. So he's now in charge of more and more people. His influence is to more and more people. And then with the baker and the cupbearer, his dreams interpreted for them. They go and tell Pharaoh and they forget about him. Here's another test. Left him for two years. How are you going to react then, Joseph? And he remains faithful. He doesn't ask why. He remains faithful until he gets to the point that Pharaoh puts on this fine linen and says, you're second in command because he's ready. He's ready to carry. He's been purified. He's been tested and he's ready to carry what God has put on him. And I love that he chose not to let his past let his past experience, experiences dictate his calling. He could easily have gone, when I interpreted dreams before, my brothers threw me in a pit. When I interpreted dreams before, they forgot about me, left me for two years. But he doesn't. He says, I know God has called me to interpret dreams. And that's what I'm going to stand on. And I love that, that he didn't let us pass dictate. So I don't know if maybe you have a feel that God has given you a calling and sometimes people's jealousy has stripped that away from you. Sometimes it can be our own, like Joseph at the start, a bit of selfish ambition, a bit of just confidence where he actually wasn't ready for what God had called him to yet. But actually, I want to say today, do not let past experiences, do not let other people dictate your calling. Stand on what you believe God has called you to do. And he was that interpreting dreams. He wasn't raised up to be a pastor. He was raised up to be a politician. Joseph was raised up to be in the secular world and to interpret the dreams of the king, to interpret the dreams of the pharaoh. So your gifts are not just for this building. Your gifts are for right there. You have to know that you, as Alan Scott said this, you're treasured and you're trusted there. If you go away then, they're not even my words, but I don't care. Uh, You know that you're treasured and you're trusted. We can so often say to ourselves, I know I'm loved by God and God loves me, but we forget that actually not only does God love you, he trusts you. He's put a calling in your life for you to live out. You need to know you're trusted, that actually you are his plan A and he wants to use you. He wants to choose you. Do not be ashamed of who you are, but stand and know your calling. Know what your gifts are. Know yourself, like I'm a big believer in just knowing who you are, know your personality and don't be ashamed of it. And I've put up just a few things that are some tools that I've used before. So one of them is the five love languages. Peter thinks it's a load of faff, it's not a load of faff. It's really good, doesn't it? 
Uh, it's good. So, five love languages. I'm not going to go into You read the book. Peter won't, but still. Um, so, quality time, gifts, physical touch, affirmation, and acts of service. So, what way, it could be with your partner, it could be with your friends, what way do you feel loved? What way do you need people around you? So, I know I'm a quality time person. So, the people in my life are people who know that Carolyn feels most loved when I spend time with her, I invest in her. Um, and there are people who do that. I choose to have people around me um, who are like that because then your cup feels full. Um, so choose for joy to be in your life. Just know who you are. Know what way you work. Um, and make sure you have people in your life who know you as well and who love you in that way as well. And in terms of knowing your gifts, Rick Warren in his Purpose Driven Life, he talks about your shape. So it's, it's really good for figuring out like sort of where you fit in terms of like church and your giftings, that sort of thing. And he talks about uh, your spiritual gifts, your heart, which is like your passion, what you're passionate about, your ability, so what you're naturally good at, your personality, are you an extrovert, an introvert, uh, and your experience, what life has taught you. And using all those things to figure out where has God called me to step into. And sometimes we can get so caught up in where does God want me to be? He wants you to be where you are now. And stop, uh, we just need to stop. Sometimes we panic and say, but God, is this it? Are you going to open this door? That? And he, God has you where you are now. And he has created you. He has given you a shape. So just be that. And let God work with through you just as you are. Stop panicking. Stop saying, just be where God has placed you now. And do that to the best of your abilities. And watch out for things that can take joy from your life and refuse to let them. You have got, we have the, uh, the gift of choice. So when we see things that can take joy from us, we have to make a conscious choice to say no, to keep that um, from our lives. And now we're going to watch a video. See if it's the wrong one. Yeah. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? Go! The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? I didn't see it whenever I first watched it. I was counting the passes. But doesn't it just show you when you are focusing on something, you can miss something walking right in front of you? So we have to be very aware of what we are focusing on and what is taking place in our mind. If we are looking at our circumstances, things going on around us, uh, we can be watching that. We can actually miss what God has right in front of us, what God has called us to right away. Um, Kay Warren says, what we think determines how we act and how we act determines how we feel. You can't command a feeling, but you can command a thought and an action. So it actually goes thought, action, feeling. Thought, action, feeling. We shouldn't be run by our feelings. Uh, so I don't know what anyone is going through in here today, but we have to choose to focus on God's word. We have to choose to not be focusing on what and distracted by what's going on around us, but focus on what God says about us in our situation. She says, if we can worry, we can meditate. 
So if you can worry, if you can focus on something that's bad, that's worrying you over and over again, you can meditate. You can focus on God's word and you can chew it over, over and over again so that it takes over your thought process, so that it leads you into action and your feelings will follow. We can't be led by how we feel. And Philippians 4 verse 8 says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. We have to choose what we put our mind into. It has to be the right thing. Okay, joy in trials. This is the one that I find hard because I know that there are people in this room who are going through some hard stuff at the minute. Um, and I suppose you see through the character of Joseph really that trials just increased his calling that God used. God did not want bad. God does not want bad. It's not his desire. When you look at his original intention, it is not, he doesn't want bad, but he will use it for good. So Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose in all things. So it's not saying that God causes it, but it's saying that he, his very character is to bring good out of something that is wrong. That's what he did with Jesus. He brought an answer to the mess we made. And James 1, 2 to 4 are some of the hardest verses, I think, because it says, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let, let perseverance finish its work. You have to make a conscious choice to let God do what he wants to do. We cannot control everything that happens to us. We cannot control how other people treat us, but we can control our response. What matters is not the event, but how we react, how we trust in God. Joseph's name actually means he takes away, so God, God takes away, God shall add. So he can take away, but he also shall add if we let him. And a huge part of that is our witness to others. When people who stand out are people who you know are going through huge trials and actually have chosen to rely on God and their witness is incredible to everybody around them. Mother Teresa said, I love this quote, I, I know God won't give me anything I can't handle, I just wish he didn't trust me so much. I think that's brilliant. You have to choose to have people in your life that release this joy and stand with you in your pain. When Joseph, so Joseph's brothers had abandoned him in the pit um, because they were jealous of him. When it came to later and he was second in charge and Pharaoh would put him there, he tested his brothers. He didn't just let them walk back into his life. These guys were going to be the 12 tribes um, of Israel. So he, they, need to, they need to be tested. And he also made sure that before these men came into his life, um, that their integrity had grown as well as his, that he could trust them. Um, a university, I think it was University of Wisconsin, researched pain and had volunteers put their feet in freezing cold water, in bucket, freezing buckets of water, and they actually said that the presence of another caring person doubles the amount of pain a person can endure, so people could do it for twice as long when someone who was close to them came in and supported them. We heal better when we are connected to community. So you, if you're going through stuff at the minute, make sure you have people around you who are supporting you. Make sure the church is supporting you. Make sure people, they're not mind readers, you need to let them know what's going on in your life and you need to let people support you and look after you. 
Now we're human beings, people make mistakes, people can hurt, but you've got the people in here love you and care about you and want to stand with you in whatever you're going through. Um, there's a couple of phrases that I love from this book. One of them is, control the controllables, leave the uncontrollables to God. You can't control everything. There's stuff in your life that you can control, that you can try to make better, that you can try to choose joy from, but there's stuff you can't. Leave the uncontrollables to God. Focus on today, and don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. And the other thing she says is choose to find the bless and the mess. Choose to rejoice. Choose to see something good in what is going on. Choose to find something even in a horrible day that can, you can be thankful for, whether it's just that the sun is out. Whether, but choose to find something that makes you thankful and choose to worship despite your feelings, despite how you feel. Choose that your mind meditates on what God has spoken over you. And Judges 8, 34 tells us that the people did not remember the Lord their God who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. These are people who had just watched Joshua, uh, who had watched Gideon, who had seen walls tumble down, who had seen armies flee, but they forgot already. It was, it's Judges 8. They didn't remember what the Lord their God had done for them. We have to choose to remember what God has done for us or we will forget. Choose to worship. And we also have to choose to have an eternal perspective that goes beyond today. Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. We have to remember this isn't the end. We have to remember that there will be a time when there are no tears, there is no pain. We just aren't there yet. Hebrews 11, I wanted to see what they said about Joseph and the way he was remembered and and the line of faith. And he's actually remembered for standing on the future promises of God. It doesn't talk about his story um, and how he'd been through so much so many trials and stood but actually talks about that he was willing to he said to his brothers to bring my bones when you leave Egypt so he knew and he believed that God was going to take them out of there and he was had the faith to stand on it and we have to have the faith to stand on it that there is more ahead that there is more in the future and faith for future generations that are in this church as well that there is better what are you going to choose to focus on The gift of joy is promised. It is a gift. It is promised. It is one of the fruits of the Spirit that comes from remaining and staying attached to the vine. But we have to fight for it. We have to make a choice to fight for it. If you don't, what else are you choosing then? Choose to focus on God despite how you feel. Choose to worship despite how you feel. Let the church be the community that helps you through your pain. Tim Hansel says, pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. We cannot avoid pain, but we can avoid joy. I think that's quite strong. Pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. We cannot avoid pain, but we can avoid joy. And I don't want to avoid joy. And I know people in this room do not want to avoid joy. So I want to come back to the definition. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in all things. So I want us now, so I asked um, Adam and the worship guys, could we have slightly longer in worship today? Because I want you to choose to worship despite what is going on around you. Choose to focus on God and let him be the one that you see. And I'm going to ask as well that if there is stuff you need prayer for, so when we talk about calling, whether you feel like those coats are being stripped off you, those cloaks, 
where God is putting a new cloak on you that you can stand in that. So whether you feel you just want, you, there's no more joyous time than we are moving, when we are moving in what God has called us to move in. So whether there's people in this room who just have been hurt before and just need that calling reignited um, or just need confidence to stand and believe that God trusts me, God treasures me. Um, so there's gonna be prayer ministry at the front if that is something you want prayer for. Or maybe you're somebody in here who, um, like a seminary, it's, which is called the oil press, that's where you feel you're in. You're just being pressed on every side. Um, you're going, it feels like you just can't catch a break. Um, and do you know what I would just say? Baby steps. Just take the step forward to say, God, I have no idea what it's, this is not what I would choose. It's not what God would choose. But Father God, just help me to focus on you today. Help me to find joy in something today. So can I ask those here in prayer ministry team to come up to the front? And if there's anything you want prayer for, and see if you don't, can I ask you just to worship, to choose to focus on God despite what's going on around you? Choose to focus on him today. Amen.